Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. All right. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you guys are here. Uh, and those online watching, what a Sukkot. Wasn't it wonderful? I do have to say it was a wonderful Sukkot. And I hope all of you guys enjoyed those who were able to go. And those online that are watching, thank you, Dave and Deborah, again, for wonderful hosts. And all you guys down there, if you're watching, it was wonderful. And I'm glad you're here with us today. Um, I want to lift up, uh, I'm going to open in prayer, but I'm going to lift up um, Kurt, uh, Sister Wendy and family, and Joe and Jenny, okay? Father Yahweh, great and mighty you are, there is none like you, Father. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to your word, to your character. We thank you for all who you are. And Father, we want to draw closer to you to understand you more, to be in the image of your Son that you have shown us. So, Father, help us today. Father, we also would like to lift up Kurt and Wendy and family. Father, Joe and Jenny, you know the circumstances. I ask that you bring healing uh, to them, Father. And, Father, we thank you. We thank you that they can't be with us right now. Put your hands upon them and let them know that we thank you again for your love that we find in your Messiah, Yeshua. Amen. All right. As you guys know, living Messiah, i got to get back in the swing of this. It's been a couple weeks, right? So livingmessiah.com is the website. You'll find a donate button there, and we thank you uh, and all of you who have do donate faithfully uh, to this ministry, and if you and if you like it, please do a thumbs up. That's always encouraging, as I say. As you know, the comments and questions were open here. Just raise your hand. The mic will find its way to you. All we ask is let's stay on the text and the subject at hand. It I know. It can be hard sometimes, but the whole purpose that we get together is so we can learn together. And if we're off in so many different directions, then we really can't grow. That's my how I view it. So try let's try to stick on subject what we're talking about and the text at hand. And a note again about the mic in case you have forgot. Make sure you have it real close to your mouth so all can hear. And Ward will be pleased back there um, as well. So, so we're back at the book of Acts here, chapter nine. So, real quick review, because uh, most of you know the, the whole story in some sense, but uh, Paul, or Shaul, ha had an encounter with the Master Yeshua on the road to Damascus, a very famous, uh, uh, understood uh, event. Most, most people who read the, the New Testament are very aware of this 
So we will continue where we left off and see what more this event, the road to Damascus and all that happened, how that can aid us in our understanding of the scriptures, okay? And maybe clarify some other misunderstandings as well. That's my goal. So, as some of you may know, many preach this is a conversion of Paul's faith here. Paul, this is where Paul became, became a Christian. He became born again, entered into a new religion. He is now a member of the church, right? The old law has passed, and now grace abounds unconditionally, and love is defined by however you want to define it, right? Well, I don't think so, at least not according to how I'm understanding the text. So let's look at the text. I would like to set aside any, uh, how do I say this, any new or foreign theologies that have been injected back into this event. So we're going to focus on what is going on clearly there without entertaining other thoughts. So what I'm asking you, in some sense, if you have an idea what's going on here, and that's great, anyone watching, set that aside just momentarily as we look at the text, and let's let the text and, the his, and history and culture, the culture at the time, tell us what's going on. Then we can compare them, okay? I think that's fair. I would like you to consider that Paul then, was not converted here. Not converted to a different faith or a different belief system. His faith was still in the Elohim or the God of Israel. I think we all can agree upon that, and even most theologians would agree upon Paul is still after maintaining and wanting a relationship with the Almighty God of Israel. I will say there was a change, but let's understand clearly what that change was here. Why is this, in, why is this important to understand Shaul or Paul? Most theologies and doctrines in Christianity are based on Paul's writings and what he said. If you've been around the circles, the Pauline, everyone quotes Paul, but Paul said this, Paul said that, Paul said this. Well, we have to understand who Paul was, or else I would suggest we're going to misunderstand his writings. So right here, I think is something very important for us to look at. Like I said, he has not, he's not converting to anything. Christianity has not existed yet. So what is going on here? Because we want to understand Scripture. We want to understand Paul the best we can. So with that being said, Paul has lost his sight after meeting the Messiah on the road, right? And we'll pick up right here 
where we left off in this storyline. And Hanayah went away and went into the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Shaul, the master, Yahshua, who appeared to you on the way as you came, has sent me so that you might see again and be filled with the set-apart spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes as if it were scales, and he received his sight. And rising up, he was immersed, baptized. And having received food, he was strengthened, and Shaul was with the taught ones, those who were following Messiah, those of the way, in at Damascus some days, some time. And immediately, and it might not be immediately, I think that's overrated how it comes in the text, it just within a period of time, he proclaimed that the Messiah in the congregations, in those assemblies up there, that he is the son of Elohim. So let's look at this event that has happened. Paul gains his sight back through the hands of one of those who he set out to bring back to Jerusalem, right? But patterns, to me, are very important. I think they really help with any kind of ideas you might have or theologies that you're forming within yourself as you're reading Scripture. I think the patterns that are set there help us stay let's say, on a more theological path according to biblical thought process. So, he sees things different. But it's the same writings and the same faith, like I said. Now, a different understanding, maybe, on how to walk those out, how to obey those. I'm focusing in on this idea of patterns, like I said, so that you might see again, to see again. Did you notice it was after something was spoken to him? After hearing, he saw again. If you think about that's a simple pattern. What happened in the very beginning? Elohim spoke, and then there was light. So hearing and hearing by the word of Elohim, he, he had encountered to the actual living words made flesh, and, but then hearing from this Hanayah, he was blind, but then hearing, he became and he saw again. So, like I said, most places here is where he was born again, right? Born again and filled with the set-apart spirit. But ultimately, what does that mean? I always say that. Even when I think I know what it means, I'm like, what does that mean? 
to be born again. I know most of you really are familiar with that. I'm a born again Christian. I'm born again. Are you born again, sister? Right? We've heard these terms and these ideas. And why I want to share this, because for the most part, we all have brothers and sisters who are in Christian churches that you're coming in contact with, and hopefully you behave yourself, right? And when you talk Scripture, you need to be able to convey the same ideas but shed more light on the Messiah and his heritage of who he was and what he said. So again, if you can put aside what you think that means for a moment, and let's just break down and allow the perspective of the people of the time to be heard here, instead of us inventing something. I think that's fair. So to be born again, ultimately, is not new. It's not a new idea. It always has been present in Judaism. Wow. That's kind of a shocker. Maybe, and maybe to some of my Christian brothers and sisters, to be born again isn't anything new. Something else I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be going back. I won't have the text up there, but you can turn, if you like, in the scriptures. I'm going to bring in the conversation that Yahshua, Jesus, had with Nicodemus in the night. Uh, John 3 is where you'll find that, okay? Because there's a conversation that's going on, and... Mainly, it has this idea, oh, you must be born again, Yeshua says. Now, I would argue, I, and two points here, before I start getting it in, if I repeat myself, I do. But in that discussion, Messiah is talking to a Pharisee, right? He was a Pharisee. Who is Shaul, Paul, from the same school of thought? So one or two things, either the argument that was going with them was, obviously it was a pharisaic argument or discussion that Messiah was having with Nicodemus. One way you can say it, Nicodemus clearly knew this idea of what Messiah was talking to him about. It's just how they talk back and forth. Or the other thing is, which I think works out just as well, Messiah is reminding him of something that was very prevalent in Judaism and a thought process and an idea that already was there. Okay? So I'm going to jump back. So in some ways, to be born again is to be born anew then. If we look at the simplicity of the words, to be born anew. Different 
spirit, different breath, and different character. To become a new person. First of all, who, was, who elected themselves to be born? You didn't have a choice in it, but you're here, right? You didn't have one choice in that whatsoever. That's a mighty powerful thing to think about, because I know there's many from whatever situation, oh, I shouldn't even been born. No, guess what? At the end of the day, yes, you haven't been chosen, but I'll tell you clearly, you have a choice now. So he designed you to choose. It depends on what you're going to do with it. Okay, so we're back here again. So the basic understanding then, you know, to be born again with the set-apart spirit. Remember, the spirit, by definition, you cannot see, but yet it's the evidence that proves that it's there. And it's also, like I said, has this idea of breath, to be born again. Actually, see, the Hebrew that I looked at, it's, and it's even in the Greek, for the most part, this idea, because of how we've, under, we've been saturated with this idea of born again, I think it's best to say born from above. Because that's what it's conveying here. And you're like, okay, born from above. Think about it. Like I said, you had no choice. You're here. But now, you can be born from the heaven. You can now choose. You can now choose. Just like Adam from the very beginning, right? He didn't ask to be taken from the clay and breathed upon. But we can be born anew. From above. That means he can breathe again us a new character, a new spirit. And with that is a choice then the same as Adam had. That's very powerful. I think that's very significant. So with this conversation or this idea from be born from above, born again. You can see how, yes, the set-apart spirit will breathe into you again, and you have a choice to really look at things. You have a choice. And if you look at the definitions from Messiah's mouth, the spirit, the set-apart spirit, what, what's he to do? Have you, forgive me here, speak in another language, do healings and stuff like that. Mm, let's put that just off to the side. But from Messiah's mouth came, the Spirit's going to show you truth. It's going to guide you to all truth. It's going to support you. It's going to come alongside you, help you make decisions. And I would suggest the Holy Spirit at one point wrote those instructions down. And now it's just coming alongside you to remind you of what's life and what's death. So at the end of the day here, for me, to be born again 
and the set-apart spirit comes upon you, you can see how quickly that, to me, according to how the Hebrew scriptures put forth, is a much deeper, deeper understanding, and it leads back to his instructions, which is a beautiful thing. So, again, the evidence of the Spirit can be seen. And ultimately, what's that look like? I th- again, to answer that, I think Scripture has given us an idea of what that looks like. So we're talking about Paul here, and I'm trying to compare the two things, maybe poorly, but hopefully some of this is resonating because Messiah says you cannot enter the kingdom unless you're born from above. Unless the Almighty breathes into you again a new character which you have to choose. A different walk, set apart for a purpose. See, we've got to bring back all these ideas. To be holy, to be set apart, then you have a purpose. Different from anything out there, and it's only, you can only know, engage that purpose if you're reading the scriptures. And it actually came down on Mount Sinai by the finger of Elohim, written to us how to behave. So for me, you can see quickly, if we stick with the, I guess, the Hebrew mindset, we don't get too far away from the Mount Sinai. It shouldn't be taking you away from Mount Sinai in those commandments. So it's a different work, uh, a different walk, and different purpose. And it's all according to what is in his law, his instructions, his commands, because that ends up life or death is in those. Again, that choice. So a new person, new lifestyle. So some of this, yes, I do agree with the idea of born again. That's fine, but remember, a new lifestyle. Where are you going to get that new lifestyle? Where are you going to know that you're born again? Well, from the Spirit. Well, how do you know you have the Spirit? One way is a quick way to know you don't have it when you disregard the things he's asked you to do, because that's rebellion. Clear and simple. Remember remember the simple things. We're all children. None of us, as you know, you've heard it, none of us are the adults of God. No. Now, let's be a reminder, okay, we're children, and yeah, we're, we're to mature like Abraham matured through his life. But what I find, and I find myself sometimes Okay, yeah, I'm not that infant anymore, guys, right? I'm getting digging into the meat, but I'm finding I'm a little, I have a lot of teenager in me. Still a child, but you find that rebellion in you. And I would suggest maybe the rebellion, the rebellious 
teenagers, the ones that I'm not going to obey you, your law. And if you get into Proverbs, you know that's not going to last very long because the whole community eventually, if you're rebellious, it doesn't end up well. So Scripture's always telling us things. Anyhow, born again is what's going on here. So I do agree. There's something happening. Something has happened to Paul, but he is still following the God of Israel. He never left the God of Israel behind. So is he born anew? Yes. He's going to see things differently now. And I think that's important, knowing that he was a Pharisee just like Nicodemus. Now, to go back to that story, okay, here's another layer. In my reading, I come across that idea of new life, born again. That's what the Jews at the time called the, uh, what do you call them? Apostolites, right? Is that correct word, how am I saying? Those who came in, they are non-Jews from wherever, and said, you know what? This is what happened. They said, we heard your message of the God of Israel. We want to join you as people. We want to become a citizen. And the Jews understood it great. You are now an allegiance with the people of Israel, the God of Israel. And then you're going to be baptized. Then they baptized them. They baptized them in. So, yeah, is that conversion? Yes, but I think the major part is them coming from foreign deities and saying, I'm for the God of Israel. Now we have Paul and especially how Yeshua was talking to Nicodemus about that whole thing. He knew. So what was Messiah conveying to maybe Nicodemus and to all of us? Because we all know the God of Israel. We all accepted Yeshua as our Messiah and the king that will return. But I would say Messiah's words still ring to us just as much as to Nicodemus. Because we know all that. Nicodemus knew all that. But Messiah was saying, you, to be born from the heavens, you've got to be born anew from the heavens, breathed in again. So that means Nicodemus had a lot that he had to work out. And we can all like look at that and say, yeah, that's pretty clear. He needed a different process, thought process. And I'm basing this mainly on one thing. And it was always the friction that Messiah had with those who were in charge. It had to do about doctrines and theologies that rose up and became more important than the Word of God. Now I'm going to fast forward it. It's no different with us, Christianity. I would suggest Messiah is saying the same thing. Just like Paul, he's going to learn something. He's not leaving. I'm not asking you to leave Jesus Christ and the God of Israel. But what I am asking you, maybe you need to hear 
like all of us, and that light will come on because that should lead us back to the one like Moses, the only prophet that we should be looking for and has come because the King David has not come yet. So what are we left with? The one like Moses. What did Moses do? He taught the commands that came down from Mount Sinai. And that's exactly what Messiah did too. That's where he had friction. He was talking to Nicodemus. And what I believe is happening here to Saul, I got to rethink how I'm walking this out. So it wouldn't be throwing away the law. The only thing that's left is our own understandings that we're bringing in, and maybe mm, we all need to look at those again. So that's maybe somewhat of a nutshell I, that I think is going on here. Ultimately, this idea then, like I said, is not a new thing. I will read this from Messiah from John 3, if you guys happen to went back. But Yeshua answered and said to him, Truly, truly, trust me, trust me. That's a, a double positive, <laughs> right? Meaning, you better get this. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born from above, he is unable to see the kingdom of Elohim. Brother Saul, the master Yeshua, who appeared to you on the way as you came, has sent me so that you might see again and be filled with the set-apart spirit. Kathy, did you have a comment? Is the mic over there? Okay. Can you hear? Oh, yeah. Yes, there we go. I just wanted to say that when you said truly, truly, that's like emphasis from... Yeshua, that when he says truly, truly, that it's yeah, like more... You can count on it 100%, right. regardless what the science says, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> so, let me see if I'm missing. So Nicodemus saw Yeshua as, like I was saying, a teacher from Elohim. Why, why would, here's, these, these, are, these are other little tiny tidbits that you'll see. Why would Yeshua, the creator of the universe, or, and the, this, why would just Yeshua recognize Nicodemus as that? And what, let me say that again. Why would Yeshua recognize Nicodemus as a teacher, or Nicodemus recognize Yeshua as a teacher from Elohim? From God. Why would he, would he just say that to anybody? Him being a Pharisee, well-read in, in the traditions and very well-read in the Torah, the instructions in the book of Moses. So Nicodemus, a Pharisee, recognized Yeshua 
was a teacher from Elohim. And why that was? Because he taught something. He taught and did something. And that is the law of Moses. Think about that. Nicodemus is saying, I know you're from God because you're behaving like everything I read that our God has told us to do. And remember, Christianity has not come yet, so to speak. It's just another thing to look at Messiah in, those, in that light. Because Nicodemus, and I'm sure Shaul here, because after he got blinded, he fasted. And I'm like, what's going on? I thought I'm doing what God asked me to do. Both, I would say, Nicodemus, and I'm speculating here, Nicodemus and Paul wanted insight, more insight from above. He just got blinded by someone who says that he's attacking him. And now all of a sudden, he hears from Hannah, who has no clue who he is, by the way. But this, remember, he's blind at the time, where this guy, he has no clue who he is, comes, lays hands on him, and says, speaks to him, and says, you're going to see again, but differently. And you're going to be filled with the set-apart spirit. I think that maybe they're kind of one and the same. Because if you're filled with his spirit, you surely do think, see things differently, don't you, than are out there. And like I said, the Greek word here is often translated again, and it more commonly means from above. In the Septuagint, the early translation of the Hebrew Bible, the same word is associated with the heavens, tabernacling, and visions of Elohim's throne. That is pretty cool. Especially when Messiah is saying to Nicodemus, remember Nicodemus was from the same school as Shaul, the teacher of Israel, a ruler. So that meant the, Pharise the Pharisees, they understood the the kingdom of Elohim is a place where what would be? What put aside traditions, but what is the clear what comes from the kingdom of Elohim? Why do you want the kingdom of Elohim? And why do you want it in you? Let me help you. Because it's perfect justice, it's perfect righteousness. It's perfect love. And it's true. We all want truth. So I know I jumped around here, but you see the weighty things are here that are being spoken that we, I believe we really have to be on guard and understanding them as we're looking at Scripture as we're looking at the one who spoke all things into existence. 
So this, that's where this whole idea of that medical, um, I can't metaphorically, this idea of rebirth comes from. So that means Nicodemus was very familiar with it, but Messiah was addressing it to him, not the outsiders. And I would say these same words that Messiah is speaking is for us. Even though we want to say we're insiders and we believe the Messiah, he's the son of God and hallelujah. But we always got to be on guard not to be a stranger. See? To the most high. If you are watching online or if you come, I was just referencing some of the things Paul brought out in the Old Testament. So what I'm saying is, when, you, when we get together here, we really got to hear these things. And those who come up here, including me, we're trying our best to bring out that clarity so we can be, come closer to one another and to the Most High. That's our heart. But we are not perfect. New life in Judaism. It's a, it was a traditional... It was in that mindset. So it was not anything new. But I would say... Yeshua was speaking to him to broaden that concept of being born again. Oh, I can't forget this. Well, maybe I did say this, but it's good to say it again. So that idea of rebirth born again in Judaism is that you would come and learn the laws of God yes I know and it was traditions of men and the elders and stuff like that but to come and understand what Moses said so if I jump ahead if you're born again or want that title according to scripture and tradition, and that whole concept of what that means, that means you're going to want to go back to Mount Sinai to learn his words and apply them in your life and walk them out. And our God is faithful, and he's plentifully merciful. So that's what it means to be born again. To be born, are you born again, sister? Only... If you haven't thrown away the law, I would see how I can start going down this path. And I don't know. I don't know. You have to think for that yourself. So it's going back, and we need to understand these things in the context that they were written, because there's plenty of more context that I am quite unaware of. But I'm going to try my best to do that. So Paul, like Nicodemus, in us, we need to be born from above. 
We all agree with that. All need to choose a lifestyle required. This lifestyle is required for anyone to join the realm from above, the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. We are born naturally, again, not by choice, as you know. You never asked to be born, but we have been born into a flawed and often unjust place. Just look out there. But, but any time, any age, anywhere you are, you can start a new life again with the God of Israel through his son who brought the promise of his set-apart spirit to guide you to all truth so you can change your life from death to life. Because that's what we want. We want to choose a new life of justice, truth, righteousness, with love and obedience to the word of Elohim and the word of God. In short, you can choose life if you want. Anyone listening to me, you can choose if you want or not. He loves you that much to give you the choice. What are you going to do with it? I would suggest what he says, choose life. Come to the Messiah Come to that, come to understanding his love. I got it. I knew this was going to happen because I wasn't paying it, but... Maybe that break was there. Maybe someone out there has decided to change their life and come to know this awesome God. Oh, what I want to say, there is no other way. So the one who took the sight was the one who restored it. Ultimately, Yeshua takes their sight and then he restores it. I learned that in a lot of different ways. He gave me life, and I know he gave me some painful things. I know it come from his hand. How dare you say that Jesus was mean? No, he wasn't mean. He came down on me hard, <laughs> to be honest. Harder than my dad <laughs> ever could. But he was the same one that lifted me up. So, so there's a restoring of sight going on here. Same God. He went and proclaimed Messiah that he was the son of God or the son of Elohim. I might have mentioned this last time. That's a very important thing. That means somehow in Paul's mind, because we... They were waiting for. They were waiting for a king. But it was that suffering servant that came first, the one like Moses. So you can see, to me, the theology going in Paul's mind is like, oh my gosh, that was the king, and why is he the king? Because all his scriptures are coming together now in a clear format 
without any kind of theologies and things in there, oh, that's why it seems like there's two messiahs. It's just one. I'm, not, I'm just speculating on how his mind might have gone through here. Why all of a sudden he come to that conclusion that he's the God of the King of Israel. And I'm saying he did know this, I believe. The suffering servant, conquering king, the one like Moses, that's the one who was to come first. That's a very important because who are you waiting for? Messiah King, right? Is he here? No, he's not. So, shall I dare say we're left with the one like Moses right now? That's who we know. He has not come back. He will come as a king. Don't get me wrong. But he left us the one like Moses. And that's why I think, and I, or let me say I know I'm on the right path getting back to the mountain to understand Moses. Because that's the last imagery. Let's not fall in the same problem that happened before. Looking for that king when they overlooked Moses and what he taught. And that can be easily, easily done. So let me... Um, that's the, the last, ex, let's say, example that he left us. So the one like Moses is the one that can bring you into the kingdom by his teachings and his ways, which he got from his father, because he does nothing except what his father told him to do. It's kind of interesting Moses did that too. But Moses failed here and there, but we have one who did not do that. So let me close here, and we'll get right back to this next week. And hopefully, um, any questions, think about it, because maybe I'm missing something. Next week, we'll get back here, because I think it's important if we understand Paul and who he was, then we can understand everything after that. Father, Yahweh, great and mighty you are, there is none like you. And Father, we lift you up knowing that you are the sole source of life. You have given choice. Father, we choose life. Help us in that. Your son, it's your promise. And Father, we need your help. We need your help. Father, if there's anyone out there who's crying out to you and want to know, answer them, Father, in a mighty way. Father, we thank you again. Be with us today as we celebrate the Shabbat and delight entering into it. Amen. Shabbat shalom all and those online. Thanks for joining us and we'll be back here next week.